Welcome to Twin Peaks Radio, the show where we remember, in the words of Major Garland Briggs, real mystery can't be solved, not completely. It's always just out of reach, like a light around the corner. You might catch a glimpse of what it reveals, feel its warmth, but you can't know the heart of it. Not really. That's what gives it value. It can't be cracked. It's bigger than you and me, bigger than everything we know. I'm Professor Robert E.G. Black, and today... I will be finishing my look at the opening titles, finally. The thing is, all that's left for the opening titles is water. The location isn't clear. This might be the Snoqualmie River, right near Rainick Bridge. In the show, it's going to be the Columbia River. But in terms of production, it could have also been some section of... Eh, actually it looks too wide. I'm looking at a map of over by Sandy Hook Park, Point Bolin. Sandy Hook is where we'll start the show, basically. Where Laura's body is found is over there. So it could be over there, but then they probably would have had to film from a boat, which they didn't have steadiness for. That's why I assume it's the Snoqualmie River over by Rannick Bridge. Because I know they got a lot of B-roll for the credits in the same general area. And the Weyerhaeuser Mill is just... Eh, it estimate it's like 500 meters from Rannick Bridge. So probably somewhere along there for Snoqualmie River, they got this shot. There's not much to this shot. It's the last bits of the credits before the episode begins, which begins with more water and then ducks, but we'll get to that you know, soon. Raining Bridge now is interesting because it clearly used to have train tracks that ran along it, and now it doesn't. This used to be Snoqualmie River along train tracks. So I got to thinking about what do I need to say about this part of the credits. And there's a couple things. First of all, I started looking for on uh, my show Annihilation Minute, looking at the film Annihilation one minute at a time. I started every episode with a poem. Finding a poem appropriate to each minute of the movie and what I was going to be talking about was fairly difficult, but I managed. So I was looking for poems. It was like water and reflections and this one quote kept coming up as a result. Brief aside, I don't like finding quotes on the internet because generally you'll find them as quotes, and then you look them up and they just show up on all these different quote websites so you can't find the source. I don't know the specific context in which this quote was said by this person. The quote comes from Indra Devi. It says, Like water, which can clearly mirror the sky, and the trees only so long as its surface is undisturbed. The mind can only reflect the true image of the self when it is tranquil and wholly relaxed. The thing is, while I was looking for the specific source, I was looking up who Indra Devi was to try to find what did she write. This isn't directly related to Twin Peaks, of course, but I have room for tangents. That's what this show is about. This is from Amazing Women in History. Indra Devi, mother of Western yoga. Indra Devi was not only a female pioneer in the field of yoga, she helped spread the ancient discipline to Western civilization. Yoga was the domain of men from its inception. The earliest visual evidence of yoga comes from about 2500 BC. Men were the teachers and practitioners of yoga from that point until the early 20th century. And then it took a persistent and assertive woman to break the barrier. Eugenie Peterson was born in Riga, Latvia on May 12, 1899. Her father was Vasily Peterson, a Swedish bank director, and her mother was Alejandra Vasilyevna, a Russian noblewoman who worked as a theater actress under the name Labunskaya. Eugenie 
was to go to school in Petrograd and then went to study theater in Moscow. When she was 15, she came across a book, 14 Lessons in Yogi Philosophy and Oriental Occultism by Yogi Ramcharaka Ni William Walker Atkinson. Ramacharaka was an American attorney who left his practice to join the religious New Thought movement at the turn of the century. She also read a book by the poet-philosopher Rabindranath Tagore. Eugenie became so excited reading these books, she vowed to go to India someday. After the Russian Revolution of 1917, there was a brutal civil war. Eugenie fled to Latvia, then Poland, and ended up in Berlin in 1921. Because she was a trained actress and dancer, she joined a theater troupe and traveled all over Europe. In 1926, she learned there was an upcoming Congress of Annie Besant's Theosophical Society in Amman, Holland, and decided to go there. One evening at the Congress, she heard the renowned yoga master, poet, and philosopher Jiddu Krishnamurti chanting in ancient Sanskrit. She was instantly moved. She was to say later her time at the Congress changed her life. In 1927, Herman Bohm, a wealthy banker, asked her to marry him. She agreed, if with the caveat, that he pay for a trip to India for her before they were married. He agreed, and she spent three months in India. When she came back, she returned the engagement ring, telling Bohm her place was in India. She sold what jewels and furs she had and returned to India. Under the stage name of Indra Devi, she became a rising star as a dancer and actress in Indian films. During a social gathering, she met Jan Strakati, the commercial attaché to the Czechoslovak consulate in Bombay. They were married in 1930. Through him, she met the Maharaja and Maharini of Mysore, who maintained a yoga school in their palace, where Sri Tirumalai Krishnamacharya taught. Indra became a colonial socialite, attending receptions, balls, and horse races. She tried to meet Indians of all castes and ranges. She became friends with Mahatma Gandhi, Rabindranath Tagore, and Jawaharlal Nehru. Her husband was very open and understanding, even though she was violating social convention. This lifestyle soon took its toll on her, and she began experiencing chest pains. She spent four years taking unsuccessful treatments for her condition. A yoga-practicing friend of hers suggested she try practicing yoga. She approached Krishnamacharya. He refused on the ground she was a Westerner and a woman. The Maharaja finally intervened, and Krishnamacharya agreed to take her on as a student. She met every challenge, strict discipline, long hours of practice, diet restrictions, no use of a stove to keep warm. She had to keep up with all the requirements of the male students. The master admired her zeal so much he took her on as a private student. Some of her fellow students were to become the great masters, K. Patabi Joyce and B.K.S. Iyengar. She experienced a complete recovery from her heart ailment. In 1938, her husband learned he would be transferred to China. Krishnamacharya urged Indra to teach yoga. In 1939, she opened a yoga school in Shanghai in the home of Madame Chiang Kai-shek, wife of the nationalist leader and a yoga enthusiast. She had American and Russian students come to her school. They began calling her Mataji, which means mother. Indra returned to India after the war and wrote her first book, Yoga, the Art of Reaching Health and Happiness, believed to be the first book on yoga written by a Westerner to be published in India. She was also the first Westerner to teach yoga in India. In the meantime, her husband returned to Czechoslovakia where he died in 1946. Indra departed for Shanghai to retrieve her belongings and couldn't decide whether to go back to India or go to the United States. Her decision was to go to the United States. 
About a year later, she opened a yoga school in Hollywood. In an effort to publicize and spread word about yoga, she cultivated movie stars and other famous people to come to her school. Gloria Swanson, Yehudi Menuhin, Pandit Nehru, Ben-Gurion, Roman Navarro, Jennifer Jones, Greta Garbo, and Robert Ryan were just some of her students. She became friends with Elizabeth Arden, the expert cosmetologist who incorporated yoga into her health spa programs. Indra wrote two more books, Forever Young, Forever Healthy, and Renew Your Life by Practicing Yoga, which soon became bestsellers. They were sold in 29 countries and translated into 10 different languages. And the bio continues, but I will cut over to the Los Angeles Times, May 5th, 2002. Indra Devi, 102, helped popularize yoga around the world. Indra Devi was one of the first Western women to study yoga in India, but later taught it to several Hollywood stars, has died. She was 102. Devi, who at 99 was still performing demanding yoga poses, died April 25th in Buenos Aires, where she had lived and taught since the mid-1980s. The cause of death was not disclosed. A charismatic woman who attracted students with her gentle yet insightful personality, as much as with the form of yoga she practiced, Devi lived and taught in India, China, the United States, Mexico, and Argentina. She brought yoga to industry, prisons, and hospitals. And then it continues with some of the bio we've already heard. I think it's interesting to find that we come around to Eastern thought, sort of New Age notions, given that David Lynch is really into transcendental meditation in particular. But it also goes to this idea of what this show is and what the opening titles are doing. The titles aren't telling us this is going to be a show with occasional violence, this is going to be a show with dark subject matter of abuse and drugs and murder. If anything, if you hear this theme music, you watch these opening titles, it relaxes you and it puts you in a position where the rest of the show is essentially your dream because you are very relaxed, hypnotized even. And in that context, here's the quote again. Like water, which can only clearly mirror the sky and the trees only so long as its surface is undisturbed, the mind can only reflect the true image of the self when it is tranquil and wholly relaxed. Remember, in the words of Major Garland Briggs, Mystery is the most essential ingredient of life. Mystery creates wonder, which leads to curiosity, which in turn provides the ground for our desire to understand who and what we truly are. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Peaks Radio and on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Twin Peaks Radio. Or join the Facebook group, Lemming Drops Studio Tour. The owls may not be what they seem, but they still serve an imperative function. They remind us to look into the darkness.